Sup, you beautiful bastards. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show, your daily dive into the news, and let's just jump into it. Because there's so much to talk about today, starting with our D-bag of the day. Some have called him a crusty little barnacle scraped off the taint of British culture. Because we're talking about the latest viral TikTok prankster who's been riling up the internet, an 18-year-old by the name of Mizzy. According to him, he's been doing the social media stuff since he was eight years old, but he didn't blow up until just two weeks ago. And that's because that's when he and two of his friends filmed themselves in London doing a prank. It wasn't a prank, right? Because what they did can only be described as a literal home invasion. Because key context here, as far as we know, these people are absolute strangers. James? 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 You man come? Hello James. We need to speak to James. Is this where the study group is? No. What the number is this? No. Study group. Like, but this is not where the study group is. Oh, you got kids? Oh, yeah, sorry. Oh, I thought this was a study group. I actually thought. So naturally, people see this and they're fucking furious. With many calling it criminal, demanding that he be arrested, even some government MPs from both parties condemning this, asking social media companies to censor him. But also with this, turns out that's not the first time he just barged into someone's home. Right? In another video, he does the exact same thing, but instead of talking to them, he just walks around, kind of giggles like a little schoolgirl, and then runs out. Then in another of his famous pranks, he approaches an elderly woman just minding her own business at a park bench and steals her dog. You going nice dog? And there's plenty of others, just kind of a, a scatter shot, whether it's him appearing to tear up a book at a library or him just asking random women if they want to die. And as more people have found out about this, we've seen bigger and bigger names speaking on it, people like Moist Critical. This guy has never once shown any amount of humanity in any of his content. Everything he does, he does in the most malicious way possible treating people like props to either scare or steal from or invade the privacy of he is the most unlikable prankster on the internet. With this, we've also seen people criticizing the police for not taking this guy seriously enough. And here I'd say I'd absolutely agree right? because it really feels like there's no end in sight for what he might do. Right? Because when looking into this, I found that Mizzy's actually still doing this shit even after the Brits arrested him for a string of videos that he posted back in February. With him in those appearing to harass Orthodox Jewish people in one video, placing his hands on a man's shoulders and trying to leapfrog over him. And again, that's just one of those. Yet despite his arrest for those stunts, which many have called anti-Semitic, he was released without any charges. Except now, one of the big updates today is he has been arrested again. Though this time, presumably for his home invasion video and both his TikTok and YouTube accounts have also been taken down. But with all this, we saw Mizzy defending himself, saying in an interview with The Independent, I'm a black male doing these things, and that's why there's such an uproar on the internet. And look, while you have general scumbags like the, the Matt Walsh types trying to use this situation as like, oh, look, another example of white people need to be scared of minorities. On the other hand, black people committing crimes against white people for sport is common. In fact, it's so common now that it's one of the fastest growing genres on social media. But the fact that he's black should have nothing to do with it. He's a scumbag doing scumbag things, thus he should be treated as one. That's it, and the unfortunate thing with him is he is just the latest example of the, I'd, I'd call it the death to decency. With even Mizzy himself saying he cares less about whether he's getting love or hate, that it's all about getting engagement, and quote, it's the fact that people are talking that's important. With him also adding that controversy and outrage are the best ways to blow up on social media, and saying, again, his words, I know exactly what I'm doing, and the consequences 
consequences of my actions. So with that, also trying to defend himself, saying that he apologized to the homeowners the day after breaking in. But with all that said, it's gonna be interesting to see what all comes from this arrest and what comes with police involvement. Because honestly, outside of that, there's no reason to expect him to stop or change. When you have people that see any attention as the attention they crave, and when they find that you having a reaction, however justified and understandable as a win for them, they will continue until something stops them. But for now, we're gonna have to wait to see how things play out. And of course, with this, I wanna pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts here? And then Texas's abortion law forced a woman to give birth to a stillborn baby, and now she's suing. In an interview with Rolling Stone, Kirsten Hogan said that she was 19 weeks pregnant when just days after the ban went into effect, she woke up in excruciating pain and was rushed to the hospital. Hogan then saying that her water had broken, but once she had gotten to the hospital, she had lost too much amniotic fluid for the fetus to survive. But claiming the hospital staff didn't tell her that and explaining, they didn't tell me much about my son's chances of survival. But the one thing they did make clear repeatedly was that I should not leave. I was told that if I tried to discharge myself or seek care elsewhere, that I would be arrested for trying to kill my child. So of course I stayed. And she was kept at the hospital for five days, during which she said she was repeatedly visited by religious counselors, even though she declined their care. She also said she was so scared to even go to the bathroom because she was worried she was going to go into premature labor and be arrested. And so on the fifth day, she eventually went into labor and gave birth to her stillborn son, with her then being discharged, told she could go back to work the next day as if nothing had happened. And the reason she's sharing and we're now hearing her story is that she and seven other women have joined a lawsuit challenging Texas's abortion ban as well as two other overlapping bans, with women in the suit alleging that they were denied access to abortions even though they were experiencing serious medical complications. Right, notably, all three bans specifically include exceptions for medical emergencies, but the language in the laws is incredibly vague, and with the overlap between the three bans, there's been a ton of confusion. And all this is the incredibly strict penalties the law set out have made many medical providers err on the side of caution rather than putting themselves at risk legally. And so as a result, the lawsuit asks that a judge clarify what constitutes a medical exception under the abortion bans, with his most recent filing also asking the judge to impose a temporary injunction to block the state's bans in cases of complications until the matter can be resolved. And then, and guess who's apologizing today, news? Let's talk about skincare brand Biore. And they're apologizing because of this TikTok campaign they did with influencer Cecily Max Brown, who's a recent graduate of Michigan State University, which saw a tragic school shooting on campus earlier this year. So in countless obstacles of me this year, from a school shooting to having no idea what life is going to look like after college. Supportive Mental Health Awareness Month, I'm partnering with Biore Skincare to strip away the stigma of anxiety. We want you to get it all out. Not only what's in your pores, but most importantly, what's on your mind too. Ray Cecily is seemingly making a comparison of clearing the blackheads from your nose to clearing your mind or the PTSD from a school shooting. It was also by no means the only time she mentioned the shooting. Anxiety in my life has come in waves. I found myself recently struggling from seeing the effects of gun violence firsthand. I've had to intentionally set aside time for prioritizing my mental health. I will never forget the feeling of terror that I had walking around campus for weeks in a place I considered home, with countless anxiety attacks to crying alone in my room at night. With all of that meant for the company's campaign for Mental Health Awareness Month, while also promoting a high-margin consumer good. While that video was posted last week and later removed, the criticism has continued. People accusing the company of using a school shooting to sell its products, calling it soulless. All of this prompting Biore to issue an apology earlier this week, writing that for several years, it's partnered with influencers who have experienced anxiety and depression to reduce mental health stigmas, saying mental health is one of their consumers' biggest priorities, but also adding, this time, however, we did it the wrong way. We lacked sensitivity around an incredibly serious tragedy and our tonality was completely inappropriate. We are so sorry. Max Brown also posting a TikTok where she apologized, with text on screen saying she just intended to spread awareness, not suggest a product fix the struggle she had experienced as a result of the shooting, and adding, I did not mean to desensitize the traumatic event that took place as I know the effects that it has had on me and the Spartan community. Though that's not the end of TikTok in the news today, because when we last talked, Montana's governor signed a law banning the app in the state, slated to take effect right at the start of the year, and when it was signed, as we talked about, it was almost certainly going to face legal challenges. And now, boom, here we are. TikTok is suing 
targeting the state of Montana. Right, because some of the specifics here, the, the law doesn't target people who use TikTok. Rather, it would find companies that would allow the app to operate within Montana, including TikTok itself and app stores like Apple's and Google's. And so now TikTok has slapped Montana with a lawsuit and saying they want to prevent the state of Montana from unlawfully banning TikTok, arguing that the ban abridges freedom of speech in violation of the First Amendment. This is also notably not the first lawsuit the ban has faced, with last week a group of TikTok creators also filing a lawsuit with similar arguments. But ultimately, this is just the beginning of a much longer road of legal battles. And then, most of us have had health issues that maybe we've resorted to texting our group chat with looking for advice. Key thing being your non-doctor friends group chat. Maybe not the best way to go, and that's where the fantastic partner and sponsor today's show comes in, ZocDoc. Millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood. You'll find thousands of medical professionals there to help you. They listen like a friend, they give you expert care that you need, and ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them and treat almost every condition under the sun. There's no more playing doctor roulette and scouring the internet for questionable reviews. Free up more of your time by using their app to show you when doctors in your neighborhood are available. It really is so convenient and it makes finding quality care so much easier, saving hours that you would have spent trying to find the right doctor. Basically, with ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor you haven't met yet. So just go to ZocDoc.com Phil and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com slash Phil. ZocDoc.com slash Phil. And then, is this just a sleazy male fantasy or the show of the summer? That's the debate people are having right now after Sam Levinson and The weekend's new show, The Idol, premiered at Cannes yesterday. It stars Lily Rose Depp as a pop star, and there's been so much anticipation for this release. And not just because Levinson's the creator of Euphoria, a massively successful show, but also because The Idol has already faced tons of backlash, with this largely over a March report from Rolling Stone that likened it to torture porn, also alleging that there was chaos, turmoil, and toxicity behind the scenes, and very notably claiming that The weekend and Levinson were behind those issues. But sources saying that Levinson's turned into a show about a man who gets to abuse this woman and she loves it. But of course, as often is the case with stories like this, no one had actually seen the product. So there's no real way to speak on the content and really have any idea to know what the public might think. That is, until now, since the first two episodes played at the Cannes Film Festival last night, and as one critic put it, prepare yourself for quite the discourse. Discord makes my dick hoard for some. And as far as specifics, according to Variety, in just those two episodes, audiences will see quote, revenge porn photos of bodily fluids on Depp's face and masturbation with ice cubes. Additionally, the Daily Beast calling it a lazy and horrific depiction of rape culture and Collider saying that it's a shallow attempt at shock value. The Hollywood Reporter saying it makes you wonder if in trying so hard to become transgressive, the show ultimately becomes regressive. We've also seen tons of people discussing how much nudity there is and another critic calling it a Pornhub homepage odyssey, which is also why it's not surprising that on Rotten Tomatoes it has a critic score of 14%. Though, of course, that can change as more people see it. And It'll be in addition to whatever the public reaction ratings are. But in general, we saw a lot of people going, okay, the reactions we're seeing now, it just really confirms the Rolling Stone report back then. But also for their part, while speaking to the press yesterday, the cast defended itself against the Rolling Stone report. It's always, uh, you know, a little sad and disheartening to see um, mean, false things said about somebody that you really care about and that you know is not like that. And uh, yeah, it wasn't reflective at all of my experience shooting the show. We also saw Sam Levinson kind of reveling in this controversy. We know that we're... We're making a show that is provocative. When my wife read me the article, I looked at her and I just, I just said, I think we're about to have the biggest show of the summer. Levinson also saying the specifics of the Rolling Stone report were completely foreign to him. And so with all that, we've seen two drastically different reactions. Right? We have the side that are very excited to watch this. And there's a whole range of people there, right? Some people that are just fans of the creators, some who want what appears to be a Cinemax show, but also people that just want to be able to judge it for themselves. But also on the other side, you have people saying, can we, the internet, please take this as our cue to not make the idol the biggest show of the summer. And adding Sam Levinson is seemingly proud that a series glorifies the exploitation of women and it would be clench his fist so cool if we 
we didn't validate that by hate watching it. But for now, we'll ultimately have to wait to see how all this plays out. I will say, I do not doubt that the premiere is probably going to get crazy numbers. I think especially when you have some big names attached, people are going to at least want to check it out. But then after that first episode or two, that's when I think the numbers get really interesting. Does it hook people for whatever reason? Or is this shock value and then that's it and there's not much substance? So we'll see how it plays out. And then there's been a horrible crisis that's been happening in plain sight that much of the media has been too scared to talk about. It's enough to make you go, mama mia, because the price of pasta right now is through the roof. In just the last two months, it's gone up dramatically, rising 17.5% in March and 16.5% in April. And the sudden spike has led to some groups calling for a pasta strike of at least 15 days to drop consumption and bring down the price. Something that hasn't been done since 2007, which I, I get it for a lot of people. This seems like a joke. But you know, it's a staple food in Italy. And it's like when uh, eggs and milk skyrocketed here in the States. Where people were understandably upset. They felt like it was a sign that the economy was failing, even if there were other factors that explained the price surges. But in Italy, this is being taken very serious right now. With this pasta crisis even leading the government to call a meeting two weeks ago with industry leaders about how to address this issue. However, little came from that after some called for a pasta price cap to be placed. Though there is some light at the end of the tunnel now, with reportedly the sudden price hike being because current pasta stocks were made months ago when the price of raw goods like wheat was much higher because of things like the war in Ukraine. And since those high supplies of normalized and raw goods have gone down in price, with it expected that the price for pasta is going to follow. And there, the Ministry of Business is saying that the survey of prices are already showing the first, albeit weak, signs of a drop in prices, a sign that in the coming months, the cost could drop significantly. So Italians do not worry. This is being handled. There's not a single stunat on this issue. And very soon you'll be able to make some cacio e pepe in peace. I'm the least uh, Italian of fucking Italian ever. <laughs> and then new evidence just dropped that really makes it seem like Trump obstructed justice in the Mar-a-Lago documents investigation. Because according to a new report from The Guardian, prosecutors have 50 pages of notes from Trump lawyer Evan Cochran that show the former president was explicitly told he could not keep any more classified documents after he was subpoenaed for their return. And as far as why that matters, because like we've talked about multiple times before, we know for a fact that while complying with the subpoena, Cochran, he found around 40 classified documents in a storage room at Mar-a-Lago and told the DOJ that no more were on the property. But then, of course, the FBI raid a few months later discovered about 100 more. And now this latest report is incredibly significant because it adds a major piece to the puzzle prosecutors are trying to piece together. Whether Trump obstructed justice when he failed to comply with the subpoena by refusing to return all the documents he had, or if he even went as far as to intentionally try to hide them. But as The Guardian noted, prosecutors have absolutely been fixated on Trump's valet ever since he told them that Trump directed him to move boxes out of the storage room both before and after the subpoena. And we know from before that his actions were captured on surveillance footage. And according to the outlet, three people familiar with Corcoran's notes said that the pages revealed that both Trump and the valet, quote, had unusually detailed knowledge of the botched subpoena response, including where Corcoran intended to search and not search for classified documents at Mar-a-Lago, as well as when Corcoran was actually doing his search. And at one point, Corcoran allegedly noted how he had told the valet about the subpoena prior to his search for the documents because the lawyer needed him to unlock the storage room, thus showing how closely involved the valet was from the get-go. With the notes also reportedly saying that the valet even offered to help go through the boxes, but Corcoran declined. And very notably here, his notes also suggested to prosecutors that there were times when the storage room might have been left unattended while the search for classified documents was ongoing. So something on its own that is pretty damning, but especially when you combine it with other reports that we've already seen on the matter, that including Corcoran's grand jury testimony. Right, just a few weeks ago, the New York Times reported that Corcoran had testified that multiple Trump employees specifically told him the Mar-a-Lago storage room was the only place the documents were kept. And what's more, he also allegedly testified while under oath that while he believes Trump, quote, did not personally convey that false information, the former president did not tell his lawyers of any other locations where the documents were stored, which may have effectively misled the legal team. And beyond that, the only reason that Corcoran has handed over these notes was because he was ordered to do so by a court that ruled that the materials were not protected under attorney-client privilege. And that because there was a reason to believe the lawyer's advice or services were being used to further a crime. Meaning, prosecutors believed they have enough evidence to prove Trump may have acted criminally. And so that's why with all of this, right now you have a lot of legal analysts saying things aren't looking too hot for the old guy. But then the last thing that I want to talk about today is actually just for you, the most dedicated 
of beautiful bastards who watch the full show. I know some people have expressed that they're confused about the schedule of all the additional content, right? In addition to the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Philip DeFranco show, we had that week where we did four additional morning videos. I went back last week and we did another Sunday video. And there, I just want to clarify, all of those right now are tests. We do something, we see how it plays out over the next seven to 14 days. We then figure out if we can replicate that with the current staff, current things, do we need to change stuff? Because one, we want to make sure that our output doesn't make our heads explode. And two, as I think a, a number of the bankruptcies in the space have shown, uh, growing with the expectation that everything is going to succeed is not a guarantee of success. But I will say, based off of the early data, I'm, I'm more and more inclined to making morning videos a more common thing. That is not in stone yet. And hey, if you appreciated this insight at the end, let me know in those comments, because otherwise I'm just, I'm speaking into the void. But with that said, thank you for watching this Tuesday Philip DeFranco show. My name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces, and I'll see you tomorrow.